You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less, or sometimes more like this episode. Here's today's question. Hi, Dr. E. This is Julie from Spring Lake, Michigan, and I have a question for you. Um, My brother's attending a church where they are using the Bible. It's called the Mirror Bible, M-I-R-R-O-R, and I was just wondering if you have any ideas about this Bible, what you know about it. I have a little, I have some concerns about it. I wondered if, if you did or if you looked into that. I'd appreciate your help. Thank you very much. Well, let's start. Number one, I'm not an expert on the Mirror Bible. I've done a little homework on it just because of your question. And what I can tell you is the authors call it a paraphrase of the Greek New Testament. Um, another friend of mine who's kind of a go-to apologetic expert, I reached out to him and asked, and his, his comment was, I am concerned that the author's universalist theology may taint his paraphrase. So I don't want to wholesale, you know, disregard something or throw it under the bus because I don't know and there's not uh, some critical reviews that I can find. Let's back up with a bigger question about translations. And um, one of the reasons I'm a stickler for the New American Standard Bible uh, is because of the nature of how they um, translate the Hebrew, uh, some Aramaic in the Old Testament, and Koine Greek New Testament into what we call English. Now, let's talk about literal translations and paraphrases, and let's use those in a big jump, and, and also versions. So a literal translation, arguably the New American Standard, the King James and New King James, um, ESV and all my friends who love ESV would, would put that in the camp as well. I, I would I would challenge that a bit because it's an RSV, um, extensive RSV update. When we go to NIV, we're moving into an interpretational level. And I know I'm going to hurt a lot of people's feelings and some of my friends and Zondervan, but the NIV Bible is a very readable Bible. Uh, but it does make some interpretational leaps that are uncomfortable for me personally from a study aspect. If I'm going to read through the Bible in the year, I've got no problem with it. If I'm reading it devotionally, I've got no problem with it. It, it is an easier Bible to read. Uh, the Net Bible, uh, produced by a number of Dallas Seminary professors, is another good offering. The Holman Christian Standard Bible, which is now called the Christian Standard Bible, is a very good rendering. So we've got literal translations to paraphrases the most uh eugene peterson's the message would be a sub paraphrase in my opinion the living bible is a paraphrase bible and when you're saying literal to paraphrase i mean we're really talking it's being translated word by word a few words at a time like phrase by phrase or kind of and we jump to the message it's like Concept. Yeah, concept con- by concept. Con- yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a concept. Yeah. And and even when we say word by word literal, that's technically pushing it. Right. Because when you read Hebrew, you can't go word to word literal because there are idioms, there are syntax problems that don't not problems with the Bible problems with how we render language mm-hmm. A into language B. Mm-hmm. So th- there is some license from a translation point. The reason I'm a stickler, and, and by the way, I, I love the ESV. I love the New King James. I preached out of the Holman for about a year as well. I think they have value. Um, I go back to the New American Standard for a, a handful of reasons. I know I've digressed way off your question, but it's a good opportunity for me to, to explain why I uh, choose this as a study text. Um, let's talk about 
loving kindness. In the Old Testament, this arguably is the most important, this is Michael Easley's view, one of the most important words, if not the most important word in the Old Testament. It's from the Hebrew word chesed. looks like chesed, chesed. Um, that word is always rendered loving kindness in the New American Standard. That's a cumbersome word. It's not a word we use in, in normal, you know, language that we, in the commerce of language today. ESV chose steadfast love, and they consistently rendered chesed, steadfast love, every time. When you get to these other Bibles, they might gloss that word to love, or kindness, or mercy, and they do that in the context to make the reading a little easier, or a little smoother, and they go, that would sound more like the way the English mind uh, learns. And I'm not against that, but as a, as a Bible student, I want to know, if this is an important term, uh, can I see it? So if you were to look at my Bibles, you would see the word loving kindness underlined in a red pen throughout the whole English Bible. So I'm making a connection with that. The other one that it continues to grieve me is the um, the loss of the divine pronoun being capitalized when it refers to you, your, I, me, my. If that reference is God, I need help as an English reader, especially in the Psalms or in Proverbs or in some of the narrative that gets a little deep. Uh, is this talking about the the person, the referent before or after it, or is it talking about God speaking? So we have what we call red letter Bibles where the New Testament, the words of Jesus are in red. And people have made fun of this for years going, well, the whole Bible is God's word. It should be red. Well, I think the point's missed. Um, it, it's good when you're reading the gospel. Sometimes is Jesus speaking or is someone else speaking? And so that's a convenient way, a simplified way to say, okay, these are the words of Christ in red. Now, all that to come back to the mirror Bible, not being a, uh, a reviewer or a critic of it, I would simply say, look, the Bible, in, in the English language, we have so many English versions. It's ridiculous. If you were to go to uh, China, you have the state-approved Chinese Bible. If you go to India, you've got the primary Indian language. There's no King James over there. There's no Indian Bible over there, uh, King James Indian Bible. They're in their own mother tongue. Uh, we have family friends that have translated in uh, Indonesia, the Yawa language. It's a unique language of a tribe of a couple of thousand people. All the work of new tribes, all the work of SIL. Um, I, I know I'm digressing way off this question, but it's a good springboard to, to say, as English readers, we're almost obsessed with the next new rendering of the Bible. Mm. And we have so many of them at our disposal online, on your phone, for goodness sakes, that are uh, a quick snapshot. And so I just encourage people, the New American Standard Bible is a great baseline that is a very good literal rendering, not dynamic, not thematic, not concept translation, but they do their best to give a word-to-word, and even that's... uh, I've already qualified that, but a literal rendering as best we can in English. And so at the end of the day, uh, I'm glad anybody's reading <laughs> any Bible, right. but I personally avoid the paraphrases. If I'm reading to uh, my grandsons, I'm going to read a paraphrase kid's Bible. But as soon as they're old enough to understand a little bit uh, uh, more uh, graduated grammar, I'm going to get them into a Bible that is a little more literal in its translations because this is after all the word of god 
and I don't want to water it down or diminish it or make it too easy. Why does it have to be easy to read? Maybe we need to be students and dig a little bit when it comes to some of these uh, cumbersome uh, translations. But I do think, I mean, I know you pretty well. I think you would have some concern about a church that's saying, we're going to use this Bible. Not, I mean, you do that with an NASB. You'll say, I'm, I, I preach from NASB. I encourage you to, but uh, if they're choosing a Bible that's truly a paraphrase and not right. like the message. And I mean, the message can be a great added part of your, if you're studying in the NASB and then, you know, you want to read something, it's a really hard Pauline passage. You want to read it in the message real quick and go, okay, wait, I think I know, now I know where Paul's coming from. Now I can go back into the NASB. It's not bad, but for a church to, on the pulpit, say, we're only going to use the message here. We're only going to use the mirror Bible. We're only going to use X Bible. There's there should be some concern there, correct? Right, right. I, I think any time a, a church is mandating a translation. Now, that said, um, you've got a pew Bible, perhaps, in some old churches, and right. that's the one the pastor is going to read from. But if they're saying, don't read other Bibles, certainly, red flag, not a yellow red flag. Now, let's just talk about the message for a moment. I don't even think the message is a Bible. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a Bible. With great respect to Eugene Peterson and what he tried to accomplish, uh, I don't think it's a scripture. And I think uh, calling it a paraphrase is a little bit of a a little bit over the edge uh, because he takes such grandiose liberty. Now, if he's saying let's let's you know this book helps people in some respect and gets them back to the text, sure. I'm going to come back to an earlier comment. We have more English renderings of the Bible than in their language group on the planet. And last I checked, I think English is a primary language. We're in the single digits, like 3% of the world's population wow. is English is a primary language. Wow. So when you look at, again, India and China, they don't have any of these things. Right. So it's a bit, uh, it's a bit proud and hubris to say, um, you know, this has to be the only Bible, King James included. Uh, so this is where uh, it's an appeal to being kind to one another. If they're going to read the Living Bible and that's going to get them into the Word, praise God. If they're going to read the NIV, praise God. I'm not out to bash these translations. I am saying if you're a student of Scripture, if you're a BSF precept community Bible study, if you're a nerd like me and like to read the Bible, it's good to have a number of texts. When I prepare a message, I'm going to look at ESV, King James, if I have time, New King James, always NIV, and NASB, because that's what the audience has in their hand. Mm -hmm. And if you've had an NIV since you were in youth group in 1980 or 90, Mm -hmm. you're not going to give it up. I understand that. I'm not trying to, you know, demean you. But uh, back to your clarification, Hannah, right, if a church is mandating one version as the only one you read, I'd be looking for a different church. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, back to a study point. King James, New King James, ESV, NASB, all good baseline Bibles. The Net Bible, all good baseline Bibles. But even at that, you would do well to compare, especially with a complicated passage. Mm -hmm. See how a number of of different translations render that and and see where they go. And the fun part, too, you'll find out those uh, translators' leanings. (laughs) Some of my friends on the ESV committee, they chose to put some words in the Bible that weren't there. And I, I asked uh, one of the friends on the committee, why did you put that word in there? That's an interpretive gloss. And we had an interesting 40-minute uh, conversation. And, <laughs> and I'm not mad. I'm not, like, you know, calling them out. But that's where I go back to NASB. Um, I think in almost 40 years of 
you know, uh, uh, combing through the scriptures, asking hard questions. I know enough Greek and Hebrew to to be a workable student of the languages. I'm never going to be as good as my professors, but I can use the languages. And I can tell you at the end of the day when I do my homework, NASB lands pretty close to um, a good rendering of the Old and New Testaments. Well, and a fun throwback to Logos, they have a tool where you can compare text. And so I'll pull up three, four, five of the different translations, and it will like highlight in red for you the differences or yellow the similarities. You can see, you it's know, wonderful. NIV and ESV, yep. 80% of this passage are identical. Or right. So it's fun to kind of really quickly look at the differences in translations. And you can also pull up the exact, you know, Greek or Hebrew as we have it and yes. click on it and then understand, oh, this Hebrew word means X. And then again, I can see that it was translated in four different English words and these four yep. different translations. So it's a really fun tool, really easy way to dig into scripture in a way that you just can't with, you know, paper and pen. Have you have you played with the one where when you you can organize the word in the center column. So like is the, the word, the Hebrew chesed being the parent word, uh-huh. loving kindness. So it will organize the verse and even the way the English might flow, mm-hmm. it's a, the phraseology it's might different, be different. Sure. And so then you see the, the word in the middle and, and sort of the, I, I know I'm, I'm not probably giving the best picture of this audio wise, but, but it's, it, it's instead of just having all the verses compared, it actually lines up the word in a column so for people that are visual learners uh-huh. there's ways to organize it and and that's a great feature this is a compare feature i think it's called and so you can have your top bible uh-huh. king james new uh-huh. king james esv nasb whatever it is and then all the searches underneath as you've pointed out it gives you a comparison percentage of yep. you know what it's like now that's a cool feature with logos since we're on this you've got a bible open you just hit the right or left arrow and then open Bible, and it will take you from every Bible in your library. So in mine, it goes NASB to NIV to Holman to Net Bible, and it's right or left click. Mm-hmm. And so you can just quickly scan through, through and see how they render it as, as well as the comparative. And then one more feature of Logos that's cool, Lexham, L-E-X-H-A-M, yeah. is their own internal branding, if I'm uh, explaining that correctly. And so Lexham, for people that aren't going to learn Greek and Hebrew, they have uh, created a translation where it's interlinear, as Hannah mentioned, with the Hebrew or Greek word right under it. So you don't have to be able to read Greek or Hebrew. They've done all the, all the homework for you. And then depending on the tools you own, if you click on that word, it will take you to the Lexham Concordance or the Lexham Bible Dictionary. And so they're integrating a whole set of packages with Lexham, which are, are brilliant and easy to use for uh, anyone that doesn't have the, the time to go you know, learn Greek and Hebrew for four or five years and bang your head against the wall learning languages. They've done all the homework for you. And so it's a great set of resources. Um, can't, can't say that enough. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694, or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain, and you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.